Fulcher, welcome to the November edition of the Celtic Club Melbourne podcast on all things Melbourne Irish. My name is Claire Murphy and it's great to have your company. My first guest this month is Movember's Gavin Duffy, who joined me to discuss how Movember starts some important conversations on men's health. My name is Gavin Duffy. Uh, I work for the Movember Foundation here in Melbourne, uh, originally from Tralee in Kerry, back in Ireland. And yeah, I'm a user experience designer uh, in Movember, so I design software, basically working on their websites and their apps. Awesome, Gavin. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Great to have you. No worries. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to uh, join Movember here in Melbourne? Uh, yeah, so originally I came from Ireland. I used to work for Paddy Power uh, and they had a sister company called Sportsbet in Melbourne. Uh, so I came to work for those guys, uh, I think it was like oh, almost three and a half years ago. Um, and so they're a sister company. So I came over originally for six months and liked it so much that I stayed on another six months with Sportsbet. And then after that, I fell into November. Uh, so it was kind of like, yeah, going from... Like the gambling industry to charity is kind of yeah leveling out my morals a bit. And can you tell us a little about Movember as a charity, which is an Australian foundation, yeah. and what kind of work they do? So Movember is a global men's health charity. Uh, we work all year round, so that's three sixty five days a year. Uh, a lot of people think we only do the month of November, uh, but we're a, quite a large organisation. We're present. Uh, we have offices in Australia, the US, Canada. We have an office in Ireland that has two people in there at the moment, <laughs> and we have an office in London as well. Um, and we're fundraising in over 20 countries in the world, so it's pretty pretty global. Now, November is known very well for its MoBros who come out every November. Can you tell us a little bit about the MoBro initiative and what this sets out to achieve? Yeah, so November in its beginnings was, was all about a bit of fun, about a, a group of friends who started growing moustaches during the during the month of November. Um, and it's all just about raising awareness and having good conversations uh, about men's health. So whether that's around prostate cancer, autistic cancer, or mental health. Um, so it's just a nice little fun way of kind of promoting men's health and getting men chatting. <laughs> and do you think using a bit of humour and having this fun thing around growing a moment, having fun with it, is a mm-hmm. good way of kind of easing into a difficult conversation about men's health, which men often find difficult to talk about? Yeah, definitely. So I suppose originally, like, the original story was uh, one of our founding members, Trav Garoni. His birthday was actually during November, uh, and this was 15 years ago. So he got his mates together during the month, and they would just want, they, they were literally just at the start having a bit of fun. And they said, let's have a, a bit of a prize around who can grow basically the crappiest mo uh, at the time. And yeah, they had a competition during the month, and then at the end of the month, they crowned who had the best mo. Um, so it all started with a bit of fun and they raised a bit of money that year uh, and then they started doing it again the next year and they found out that this was kind of something that people wanted to be a part of. Um, so they basically started fundraising, kind of gathered quite a bit of money at the time and they were wondering you know, what to do with it. So originally they started um, giving the money to prostate cancer uh the Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia and um, after a while it became such a big thing that they just decided to make it the wrong thing and Movember was kind of born from there. Um, So the moustache is like, it's just a real kind of funny way to introduce men's health. It's a real nice way to kind of start conversations to kind of you know, raise awareness and all that kind of stuff. 
So one of our taglines in here is we're changing the face of men's health, which is kind of nice from two points of two points of view. So we're actually physically changing men's faces during the month. We're getting them to grow a bit of bit of fur on their top lip, and then we're we're kind of on the other side changing the face of the men's health industry out there as well. For the benefit of our listeners, Gavin and I are currently in the November office, sitting in the Freddie Mercury room, and it's great to see the offices here named after excellent. Mustaches. I did see Sean Connery on our way in as well. So some yeah. good role models there. <clears throat> so we try, we try to stick to the brand as much as you can. So all the rooms are named after guys with epic mustaches. Uh, yeah, so it's a bit of fun. This is what like fun is one of our one of our little uh, kind of dot points in our culture values as well. So it's always good. Um, you mentioned that November is an Australian company or charity and has spread around the world, including to Ireland. Have you seen many parallels in terms of the awareness seen around men's health in kind of Australia and Ireland that you can see some similarities between? Uh, definitely. I think culturally, ju- just from my own experience, I think Australian men and Irish men probably are cut from similar cloth. Uh, we like to kind of tough things out and, you know, keep it on, keep it under the hood sometimes. Uh so it's kind of funny, like in in Australia, they have a, a common saying, like she she'll be right, and I think in Ireland we have the same saying. A lot of men use, and it's kind of it it'll, it'll be grand, uh, which is you know very very similar to each other. Um, but it's just about that culture of like you know men being seen as you know dealing with their health they have to tough it out or keep it under the hood and all that kind of stuff uh, so what Movember is trying to do is kind of raise awareness around that and just change the culture around uh, men having positive conversations about their mental health and being a bit vulnerable and kind of being a lot more open about what they're going through as well there have been heaps of initiatives around the world in recent years where we're seeing more discussions taking place around men's health and kind of breaking down barriers or I can't say anything or that kind of thing. Do you think there's a bit of a generational shift between kind of, you know, men of the previous time and men of today who can talk about these things a bit more readily? Definitely, yeah. I can only speak from personal experience, but even, I suppose, my friends and uh people that I know in my community are becoming a lot more open talking about this stuff. And I think the stigma around, it, especially things like mental health and talking about uh, just kind of your health in general, whether you need to go get a checkup, whether it's t- testicular cancer or prostate cancer and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I feel like the tide is shifting, uh, which is really, really good to see. Um, and people are less, um, you know, the culture is now that people are just being a bit more open which is nice and I think a big thing about that was the stigma being broken around a lot of this stuff so like the old school kind of hard man kind of toughing it out you know keeping it quiet um, I, I think that's kind of being seen as old school these days which is kind of cool yeah we were chatting on the way in about AFL and I from personal experience have seen a lot of AFL or football players talk a little bit more readily about their physical and their mental health and mm. how it does make a difference on their performance and how they do have to take care of that to be the best person they can be mm-hmm. in all different ways. Um, do you see role models as being important in terms of that discussion? Definitely. De- yeah, definitely. Uh, I think in society, like, you know, we always hold uh, a certain kind of uh, respect for sports stars, pop stars kind of people in the public eye um, so it's really encouraging to see a lot of those people coming out and speaking about their speaking about their experiences and what they've gone through uh, like recently we shot a, a kind of a promotional video for November um, in the UK and Stephen Fry was one of the people openly speaking about his mental health and what he's gone through and his struggles uh, and how he's dealt with it as well we always promote 
not just like the the kind of downside of talking about mental health. It's about how people are positive, positively kind of working their way through it and dealing with the kind of issues that they they have gone through along the way. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's just about opening opening that door and having that conversation. So yeah, it sounds like you're really kind of selling mes- message of hope there, as in mm-hmm. having a conversation about these difficult things shouldn't necessarily be difficult. If you have the conversation with your mates or your family or whoever, it can actually kind of lift a lot of that burden mm-hmm. and the whole thing about of a problem shares a problem half. That's definitely something we're seeing as well. We haven't we have an initiative inside Movember. It's something we've kicked off and it's um, kind of like a gathering. Uh, so it's called the Speakeasy. Um, so what that is we uh, hold an event which is like in a physical space. So it was held in St Killa Town Hall here uh, recently. Um, and what that is is like a chance for men to come together and it's a kind of a workshop around um, just working through what people are people are going through in their mental health and all that kind of stuff um so they, they use a really interesting exercise they like they have a, a line down the middle of the hall which is just this bit of tape on the ground and it runs the length of the hall and they ask uh men to step to the line if they've experienced something in the last week in the last month in the last year so one of the questions that stood out to me was like you know when's the last time you cried and like have you cried in the last year and literally all of these guys were standing on the line and then the the facilitator Tom Harkin he said when have you cried in the last week and there was a surprising, surprising amount of people still standing on the line um, and that was kind of nice in in the aspect that you know a lot of times we think we're going through things on our own or our behaviors are very very single focused like we're the only person that does it and um, but it was interesting to see uh people looking around the room at their friends and their mates and just saying oh i'm not i'm not actually the only person going through this stuff um so it was really yeah really interesting so like you're saying like it's oftentimes we think you know, like the problems we have are you know it's it's on us and it's very very focused and we're the only person in the whole world with the problem but being able to see this kind of thing and open up and talk to other people and you'll quickly find out that we have a lot of shared experiences as, hu- as humans as men um, you mentioned that took place at St Kilda Town Hall and of course St Kilda is a you know, big hub for a lot of Irish people living in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could chat a little bit about kind of being someone, being people who move around the world, moving to a new home, being kind of separated from family and friends and how that can have a bit of a, mental, a, a, bit of a toll on mental wellbeing and how November might address some of those factors. Yeah, yeah. So a big thing we promote in, um, in November is like social connection. Uh, it's for very, very tightly knit, tightly knit and um, to mental health and being mentally healthy as well. Um, so that's what I suppose that's one of the biggest factors I found when I moved out, moved over here is that whole kind of perception of isolation. You're kind of far away from your family. Personally, I moved over here on my own. I didn't know that many people over here. Um, and sometimes when you go through little ruts and stuff, you can kind of feel a bit isolated. Um, so it's always good to promote like social connection and looking after your mates as well it's it's astounding like since I worked in November um, the amount of things I can spot or the amount of good behaviours that I can see myself carrying out or that Movember are helping us promote it's like checking in with a mate asking him are they okay um, you know going out for a beer or coffee that kind of stuff and it's just that constant um, kind of just upkeep and kind of touching base with people as well I think is very important and keeping connections with people 
Um, so moving out here, it's yeah, it's, it's something you notice, and especially when I moved to moved to Movember, the way they're talking about social connection has been so so vital to your mental health and just your well being in general. Um, I think it was nice to kind of tie those two things together: being an immigrant and then being able to kind of, I suppose, promote this kind of stuff. Yeah, fantastic. And it's so fitting that Movember being you know a very proud Aussie export now and going around the world and seeing to help that message spread well around the world too. You mentioned, of course, that November runs all year round. However, you do have quite a few initiatives coming up for the month of November itself. Can you t- talk us through some of the things you'll be doing this month to promote November's work? Yeah, uh, so November we try to, we promote three things during the month. Uh, so it's obviously a growing moustache is number one. Uh, we promote moving as well during the month. Um, so we are promoting people to uh, run or walk 60K for the 60 men we lose during the month of November. Um, and the last thing is hosting an event. So that's just, as I was saying, getting your ma- getting your mates together, checking in. It could be trying a barbecue, having like a bit of a coffee morning, a bit of a lunch together, um, or it could be a massive gig event, all that kind of stuff. So we see some crazy things coming through, uh, through during the month of November as well. Um, and I suppose some of the main things we we like to get involved in as staff as well. We try get we try get out to a lot of these events locally here, because we have quite a few people um, that can go to their parties or help them when they're doing these big kind of move challenges as well. Um, so some of the some of the funnier ones is I don't know can I say this on the podcast, but. There's some guys trying a shit shirt Friday, uh, which is like, you know, wear your crappiest shirts that you can. Uh, another one is like the Flano 5K. So a group of guys from the office have uh, set up a 5K around uh, the tan in, in Melbourne um, and just rocking your best flannelette shirt that you can find. Uh, so that's a bit of fun as well. Uh, and then personally, like, uh, it's my second year. So there was a... An, initi- an initiative kicked off last year, a bit of an epic move challenge, we call them, uh, called Tour de Parma. So um, a Parma is an Australian delicacy. As I'm not too sure what we have to explain that in the background but <laughs> to any other listeners, but it uh, is basically a chicken schnitzel with a load of cheese and tomato sauce on it. Um, so one of the, the events that we throw is called a Tour de Parma. So me and my mate Mike Farr, who set it up, uh, we rode last year from Sydney to Melbourne. So it was 14, over 1,400 kilometers, over seven days. So that's over 200 k's a day, and we crossed over uh, Australia's biggest mountain. Um, and I suppose this is what we call the only Parma-powered mental health initiative in the world, is what we call it. Uh, and we basically promote good conversations around mental health, and along the way we stop off in pubs, uh, and hotels to have paramas at nighttime and chat to people in the bar and just promote Movember a small bit, which is really cool because last year we rode through what you could consider really small country towns and they had Movember posters up and there was people coming up talking to us like, you know, why are you doing this? And, you know, this is a bit ridiculous and what's Movember all about? And there was some nice stories around like, you know, we heard people saying their nephews or their sons were kind of diagnosed with testicular cancer and some guys came up to us saying, you know, I, I had mental health problems at one stage and Movember was my way of kind of breaking that barrier to talk to people about stuff. Um, so it's kind of really nice seeing how such a fun idea can actually, you know, have an impact in people's lives. And I, I think the main thing is just breaking down that barrier and opening the door for people to have, you know, good conversations about this stuff and just giving people uh, a bit of a flag to fly under 
which is which is something really powerful. Sounds like you'll have another grueling, uh, I guess, power-powered um, cycle ahead of you this year. Yeah, so we're actually <clears throat> we're actually heading out this Friday. Uh, so a bit nervous trying to get the last piece in place. So this year we're going from Adelaide to Melbourne. Yeah. So last year there was only two of us, and uh, this year it's growing to seven, which is good. So a couple of more people from the office are joining us. Um, so it should be fun. Five days. A bit of bit of gruel on the bike, but that's okay. Now, I was going to ask what your highlights of working in November might be, but it sounds like it'll be hard to top two at a month. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, we, we throw some big events in November and there's good parties at the end of the month and we try to celebrate, you know, the, the month of the mall. Um, but some of, some of the nicer things... That, that have happened to me I've been wearing kind of Movember merch around the street and people have come up and say come up and literally thanked me for the, the work we do even though I don't think I do that much but uh, you know it's a, it's a big team inside here and we're all kind of part of a, a big movement um, so it's kind of really humbling to see the impact it's having on people's lives because uh, such a such a novel idea of just growing a moustache you know it, it just opens up the doors for so many people to talk about a lot of things they wouldn't have talked about before um, one of the funnier ones was my first year working in November I think I was only working here for three months at the time and I was out in a bar and some guy came up to me and he was like thank you so much for the work you do and I was really taken back by that um, so it's it's kind of humbling to think every now and again you can, sometimes I forget but uh, you kind of have to realise you know how much of an impact you're having on a wider scale as well mm-hmm. um, but some of the really nice things that we've done uh, so a few of us from the office are actually heading up there during the month so it's it's an event called the Point Pinnacle uh, it's run in Hobart by a group of really really passionate Mobros called the Hobart the, the Mobart Mobros I should say uh, nicely on brand um, but they do a running event which is the toughest half marathon in the world up Mount Wellington um, so it's 21 kilometres up at the biggest mountain in Hobart um, and it's really nice that event actually because I went over there I think it was two years now this is going to be my third one this year um, so we were running up the mountain and we it's really nice one of the guys in the office he makes these kind of branded Mobat Mobro singlets every year and we all kind of get them at a ceremony the night before and he gives them out to us and he shakes our hand and all that kind of stuff which is really nice but then the next day you run up this like grueling mountain and you have these people from the local community on the side of the road handing out jellies and you have these little kids going like shouting go to Mo and all this kind of stuff which is super super weird because this is the place this is the, my my workplace but then you go out into the community and you see this kind of stuff and like re- real local kind of fundraising and local support going on uh, and these little kids just shouting go to Mo and you can only imagine like you know what kind of impact that's going to have on them them later in their life and I suppose like even seeing the guys down in down in Hobart doing their kind of real community thing during the year as well. Initially when I went, went down, when I went down there two years ago, it was a small enough group, it was twenty or thirty, and last year I think it was hundred plus maybe that ran up the mountain. Wow. Um so it's kind of going a bit exponential and I think that's really nice to see uh, from Movember's point of view for a start but um, we always pride ourselves on being a movement we're not a company we're not not trying to make any profit or anything we're really trying to make social impact on local communities so to see that happening is kind of like seeing it grow before our eyes almost um, which is really nice and I suppose one of the last nice one of the last nicest things I'll mention was uh, every year we have a group of 
community ambassadors we call them um so we we have these guys who are like super passionate local fundraisers so we have guys from parts we have guys from open queensland new south wales uh, some from victoria the guys from tasmania come in and they come into the office and and they get to tell their stories of how they're connected to movember and what movember is doing for them so some of the stories we've heard like were just super humbling and super like super good of the guys to tell us this as well because it's like super personal to them. Uh, so one of the guys, he lost his brother to testicular cancer. He's telling his story of how Movember is helping him kind of spread the word and spread awareness around, you know, guys checking themselves and checking early and then at the same time being able to fundraise for uh, projects we fund internally. So um, just those kind of inspirational stories and yeah it's kind of never ending like especially during this time of the month as well because we're two days out from November so many people come into the office and they tell these amazing stories and every time they come in it's a really nice tradition we have in here they get introduced to the whole office so let's just say for example one of the guys from Tasmania is Tommy Windsor and he comes in and one of the guys just says Tommy's in for the week and he's here for a couple of days or whatever and the whole office just gives him a clap and like that's super nice to see because uh, these are the real heroes like you know we might be working here but the real heroes of what Movember is all about is like local community um, so that's really cool to see that we kind of walk the walk and we really really appreciate these guys who are doing definitely all of the hard work <laughs> outside these four walls so I'm reluctant to describe the charity as a brand, but Movember has done such a great job of creating this brand, which is both incredibly cool, but has such goodwill. It is also has that local connection, but is now kind of recognized around the world. Yeah, it's kind of taken off. It's like 20 plus countries at the moment, I think. Mm. Yeah. So even Ireland last year, it was kind of nice to see the numbers. I think we had over 6,000 people fundraising in Ireland last year, which was up 50% on 2017. Uh, and they, I think they raised over 4 million last year. And we only have two people working there. So you can kind of see, I think the brand and what Movember is all about and the world we're trying to spread, it's totally taken up by the local communities. Like we're really relying on those 6,000 plus people who are you know, embedded in their communities, talking about mental health, talking about guys checking themselves already for prostate cancer testicular cancer uh, and just literally they are our promoters like which is super cool to see so sometimes we see these nice little pockets of things happening and we haven't done much and we're, we kind of sit back and just say whoa this is this is kind of cool that this, this is happening and finally how can our listeners support your work over the month of november yeah, so people can go on to Movember.com, they can sign up, they can just make a general donation if they want. Um, so during the month, we, we always promote people to, to sign up and take part in one of the uh, one of the initiatives we kind of promote, so Grow Mover Host. So you can <clears throat> do a little walk during the month, cover the 60Ks, or you can just do a 5K, get people to support you. You can host an event, so do a, a barbecue in Australia because we have the nice weather now. You can hold a coffee morning. You can, you know, have a shit short Friday. Like the, the amount of things we see coming through the doors is just never ending. So the main thing we promote, it's all about having fun, getting people together, chatting to your mates, and just getting around what can be a fun month. And especially for the men out there as well as on November 1st, make sure you shave down. Uh, clean shaving on, on the first day of November and then grow a more during the month or grow what you can. 
or for better or worse, I think we're going to see a whole variety of modes mm. over the spectrum over November. Gavin, it's been great to hear about the work that you've been doing and we wish you all the best for Tour Department this year. So thanks for joining us. Cool. Thanks for having me on. We've recently discussed Irish GAA players making the switch to AFL and this month we turn our attention to the girls. AFLW journalist Sarah Black joined me to discuss which Irish players will be making an impact on the 2020 AFLW season. Hi, my name's Sarah Black. I'm a journalist with the AFL website um, and my main area of expertise is AFLW. Sarah, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. No worries, Claire. Thanks for having me. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the level of Irish women who have been playing within the AFLW over its short history to date? Yes, we're coming into the fourth season of W um, and I think from the the very first season, I think it may have just been Laura Duray who's player of Irish heritage. Um, She is Irish, sorry, I should say, Um, but she'd played the game in Victoria before joining AFLW. She played for the Melbourne. Um, But it was really the second season that it sort of started to take off. There was a player by the name of Cora Staunton. I I feel like she's a big name in Ireland. I've I've picked up over time. And she's Uh, becoming a big name here as well. She certainly is. Um, And she just sort of opened the door. She played for GWS in that second season open the door for Irish players to come across and we're now at the level that just before the current season is about to start we've got 18 players Irish players on AFLW list which is even more than the men which is pretty significant wow so record not just for the women but for the men as well incredible yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um, yeah, it's it's growing at an astronomical rate. That's great to see. Um, now we're meeting not too long after the AFLW draft, which has just occurred. Can you tell us a little bit about how that went down recently, and perhaps what kind of Irish players might be some up and coming names we saw in that? Yes. Yeah, so with the draft, um, there was a hundred players signed across the fourteen clubs. Um, there weren't actually any players of Irish uh, heritage signed in that draft because they were all signed as rookies before the draft. Um, so that's where the influx of players has kind of come. There okay. was a, yeah, there was actually a, a rule put in place where you could be signed as a rookie if you hadn't played a, football on an Australian list uh, for three years. So that meant the clubs were like, oh, we're, right, we're trying to look for players from a different background. Ireland. They've, you know, they may have played the game in Ireland, but they haven't played on an Australian list. So it's a nice little loophole that a lot of clubs are getting around Yeah, today. nice. Yeah. So, so it seems like this is a little bit different to the way the men are recruited. Do you think yeah. this actually gives more pathways to women who may not have necessarily had that professional, semi-professional sports pathway previously? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think it's a good opportunity. Um, like, obviously, you know, not necessarily paid for playing at the top level of Gaelic over in Ireland. Um, so the attraction of coming over here and getting a little bit of money for it, um, albeit it's it's not much, It's you know, it, but they are being paid. Um, there's also that, you know, sense of, oh, coming to Australia, you know, something a little bit different. Um, adventure. Train, yeah, exactly. And being able to train in a fully professional club, I think, has also been a point that quite a few of the Irish girls have brought up is, is quite appealing for them so they get to go to the likes of Collingwood um like Sierra Row and and sort of and one of the one of the biggest clubs in what's well, one of the biggest clubs in Australia um for sure and and just seeing how that that all works out um the timing of the AFLW season is also different from the men's season so players are able to play the AFLW season return home and come in for the end of their Gaelic season so that's also attractive they're able to play both um unlike the men who are locked into a solid uh, four-year commitment. That's pretty exciting for the women. I've also heard anecdotally that often the women after they play an AFLW season here, they're actually in better shape to go back to the Gaelic season over in Ireland. 
Yeah, for sure. I like well, if you're in a, a semi-professional environment, um, that's that's definitely going to happen. That you're going to you're going to pick up a lot of training. Um, you know, that sort of that aerobic endurance is definitely going to build up over time, um, and that's going that's going to help you when you go back home um, for sure. Exciting for them. Um, now, as you mentioned, we've just had the <coughs> draft. Um, yes. I was wondering if you'd maybe tell us, I was quite excited to see as a Melbourne fan, a couple of Dublin girls being signed. So I was wondering if you could talk us through perhaps some of the girls who have been signed for next year and what we might be able to expect. Yeah, well, there's definitely, there's some returning players like um, Ailish Consonine's coming back for another year with the Crows. She's already a premiership player, uh, first Irish AFLW player to, to pick up a flag. So um, it'll be really good to see her. The Lions have picked up uh, Orla Adwire, who's very multi-talented, um, comes from Cameron is that how you say it? Kamaji? The, the female hurling. Kamogi. Kamogi. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's probably people rolling their eyes at me right now. Um, yeah, she plays that as well as a bit of soccer. Um, and Carlton have picked up a few players in Joanne Doonan and uh, Katie Harris. Sorry, Joanne Doonan. And the other girls just slipped off my list here. But, yeah, they've got the two Irish girls as well. Um, you mentioned the two Melbourne girls, Sinead Goldrick and Neve Mc. McAvoy. Um, and Especially you're going to get very good around the Irish names after yes. this season. Oh, well, I, stumbled, I got Neve and then I stumbled over McAvoy, who's, you know, <laughs> the, possibly the, the more Anglo of the two names there that I've just struggled with. Um, yeah, but there was a huge fuss over in Ireland, actually. Melbourne were quite surprised um, at the the publicity that it garnered in Dublin in particular that they've signed to these two girls to come over to Australia. Um, the Ds are really excited about what they can bring. Um, there's... You know, speaking in generalisations, quite often the Irish players come across with a lot of speed, a lot of agility. They've already got uh, really good ball skills. It's just a matter of transferring that to Australian football as opposed to Gaelic. Um, So getting used to the shape of the ball. um, The coaches have got the opportunity to teach them how to kick from scratch, which is something we've seen in the men's side of it a lot as well, um, where if you've been able to get the opportunity to teach them from scratch, they uh, don't pick up any bad techniques as is often the case when you're coming through as a junior um, in Australia. So quite often we see that Irish players have also excellent kicks. That's great to hear. When I interviewed um, Ocean Gallon and Keen and McBride last month, they did say that kind of learning to kick a different side, yeah. different shape ball is one of the key challenges. So you'll see some similar things, I guess, between the two. Yeah, well, Cora, um, a few years ago, she she's ju- adjusted her goal-kicking routine now. Um, but when she started, she actually went with the Gaelic kick around the corner, even though she was using Australian rules football, um, just because that seemed to work for her. So over time, she's now developing it into the much more traditional um, straight run-up for goal. Um, but, yeah, she does have that upper sleeve where if, if things are feeling a little bit uncomfortable for her, she's sort of got her own hybrid technique. Uh, Sarah, have you had the opportunity to go over to Ireland and see Kamoki for yourself yet? No, no. I've been – I went to Ireland a few years ago um, just for, you know, just as a tourist. Um, and there was a there was a hurling game on, actually, I remember in one of the towns I was in. And I couldn't believe how many people were just – but they just appeared out of nowhere. They were just walking wow. all through the village to get to this to get to this game. Um, I didn't get the opportunity to go, but yeah, definitely on my list of things to do. I'm sure it'll come up quickly. <laughs> now there are a couple of Irish players who caused a bit of a stir on Twitter with their um, skills recently, and that was was the Kelly sisters, who I believe yes. will be going to West Coast. 
Yeah, so the Kelly sisters, um, there's been a bit of a bit of talk about them in sort of AFLW circles um, with the recruiters that they're just some of the most talented t- athletes we've seen come out of Ireland in the girls' game, that is. Um, that, yeah, I think we'll get to see a lot of skill from them, just, just sort of almost another level on top of what we've already seen from the Irish girls. Um, so, yeah, they'll be lining up for the Eagles um, and the Eagles are absolutely thrilled that they got them over the line because there were quite a few clubs that were in the hunt uh, trying to sign the pair of them. Um, they're over here in Australia now, so they'll be, they'll be just starting all their, we spoke about earlier, you know, trying to develop those those footy skills. Um, but they're, they're in good hands with uh, Adam Selwood uh, over there in Perth. He's uh, got a very strong footy background, very strong family, uh, football family family comes from so uh, he'll look after them um, I'm sure he will. and they'll definitely keep an eye out for the Kelly sisters I imagine they'll line up in round one Fantastic. You and I had an interaction on Twitter watching a clip of them, but the commentary was all in Irish. And yes. I must give a shout out to Celtic Club member and listener Niall, who was very kind to chime in with some translation of that <laughs> very enthusiastic commentary of how well they were doing. Yeah, I, I think there was also a clip of um, a North Melbourne recruit, Maraid. Oh, I'm really going to struggle here. I think it's Schweiger. Again, really, really enthusiastic commentary and just... Um, yeah, the skill that she showed on the Gaelic field. I know North are very excited about her. They've already called her, termed her uh, the big show. I think that's just because they're, they're not quite 100% sure on the pronunciation, some of them. So they're like, oh, we'll just throw in that nickname of the big show, which is a bit, bit to live up to. But uh, by the sounds of it, she'll, she'll do quite well. Excellent. Are there any other names that you've got that we should be looking out for next season? Uh, well, I mentioned North. They've also signed um, Eileen Gilroy um, and, I th- and GWS, of course, will have Cora back um, and Yvonne Bonner, who was a real surprise packet last year. Very quiet girl, quite reserved. Um, but when she gets onto the field, she's incredibly dynamic. Um, she can, we've seen she can kick incredible goals. She was very unlucky, in my opinion, not to get goal of the year um, off the 2019 season. Just just got a real knack for it um, and I think with another year under her belt she'll be even better. We've got an even bigger AFLW season uh, next year. We've got a whole bunch of new teams who are joined the scene. Yes. It's going to be one of the biggest, well, certainly the biggest comp we've had today for AFLW. What do you think we can expect from next year's competition? Yeah, so I counted up yesterday. We've got 61 games next year. Wow, um, going to be exhausted. Yeah, which, which will be interesting. Uh, it's up from 37 last year. So you mentioned there's four new teams. We've got Gold Coast, West Coast and Kilda and Richmond joining, um, which pushes it out to 420 players, um, which is in part why, why we've had such an influx of Irish players, the clubs are looking sort of elsewhere to, to boost their list and to sort of fill out those numbers. Um, and I think the we've seen the standard increase gradually over time. There was a big jump between the 18 and 19 seasons. Um, I think the, there'll definitely be a lift in standard between 19 and 20. Um, I don't think it'll quite be as big as what we've seen, um, just with the, the, the amount of new players coming through. I think there'll be a natural sort of... Um, a dilution a bit of that that's lift in standard um but with another year under their belt you see the girls around their their fitness has improved a lot over time um just being in that semi-professional environment i was speaking to dana hooker at west coast and she said that um Previously, she was at Fremantle, sorry, and one of the Fremantle physio staff said to her, it's going to take about three years for your body to start to adjust to the training loads we're putting you under. You know, you're coming from community footy into semi-professional. It's just going to take that amount of time. So we've now reached that three-year mark, um, which means that, it'll, you know, it won't just be the Dana Hookers who are incredibly, incredibly physically fit um, of 
we, we won't just see them improve, we'll see um, sort of that middle tier lift. Um, and I think that'll just lift the, the standard, um, the game sense as well. There'll be uh, clubs will be able to sort of implement a bit more game plans. They won't just be focusing on skills during the off season. They'll be able to work on, on the tactical side of the game, um, which will be really good. There's some great under 18 talent coming through, especially the top probably the top 15 picks of this year's draft, which was led by Gabby Newton, who went off to the Dogs. Um, yeah, there's some really talented girls coming through, really well-grounded girls as well, who I don't think will be thrown off by the step up from junior to senior footy. Um, yeah, so all promising signs, uh, you know, as there always is before any season. It's it's all hope, uh, which is what we love about footy, really. It's exactly, yeah. And it's always difficult to predict what will happen, but there are so yes. many different factors and so many great opportunities within the AFLW season this uh, this coming year. So it's going to be bigger and better with the sounds of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we'll have another week of uh, games. So we pushed out to eight weeks, which is great. Yep. Um, still not a full 13-week season, which um, some people were pushing for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some restrictions over, you know, just even the funding of the competition. Uh, broadcasting as well is a really big sticking factor. I think that the AFL are really keen to have every single match broadcast. That's how they believe they're going to grow the competition. Um, but broadcasters have sort of said, look, we can't really accommodate that especially with the overlap in the men's season there are going to be some weeks where we have 16 games of football uh, between the men's and the women's competition um it's a footy lover's dream but a logistics nightmare isn't it (laughs) exactly exactly it's sort of bursting at the seams a little bit um so at least we've got the one week increase we'll also have one week increase in finals so there'll be three weeks of finals as opposed to two um, yeah, so there'll be six teams in the running to uh, knock off Adelaide as reigning premiers. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen a huge growth in the AFLW standard, both in the quality of the game, but also the community support around mm-hmm. it as well and just how into it fans are. Can you see in future years the season being expanded from that eight weeks to 13 weeks? Well, it's definitely going to increase um, to nine in 2021 and 10 in 2022. That's been set in stone. The collective bargaining agreement, the pay deal was recently signed between the players and the AFL. Um, and yeah, that's all been set in stone. So at least we definitely know we're going to have that increase. Um, I reckon they're, they're pushing long term to have a full season. It's just, again, that timing. Where, where do you put it in the year, um, especially with logistics? Um, you don't want to it's tricky because if you put it in winter you're going to lose a lot of the state league um, competition there's not quite the depth of numbers there um, to have a separate to have an AFLW season and state league season running at the same time Um, because quite often what happens is that the girls have their summer AFLW season then they go back to VFLW for example um, and play during winter if you play them at the same time it's just not going to work um, and if you push it earlier into summer, you're going to have people playing in 40-degree weather. Um, the AFL are really reluctant to go up against the tennis with the Australian Open um, and also the cricket. I'm, I'm not as concerned about that. I feel like they should really back their product yep. and go, this is, you know, we're... We, we're behind AFLW. We believe it can go up against the tennis. We believe they're diverse audiences. They're not going to cannibalise each other. Um, yeah, but that's a decision that obviously other people make, not, not me as a journo. Of course. <laughs> um, 
But, but yeah, hopefully long term we, we will see every team play each other once um, as they do in the men's. Yeah, and you'll certainly see their demand in terms of last year. One of my favourite moments from last year's AFLW season was the grand final in Adelaide yes. when you had such an influx of people coming. I think it was around 55,000 people, if I can remember. I think it was 53. And the capacity of the ground yeah. is about 55. About, so it was, yeah, yeah. Excuse it was yes, just under capacity. Yeah. And I just love seeing that, that video footage of each level being opened up, opened up, opened yeah. up, because there's just such a huge demand. So if you think there's that for last year, hopefully the demand will just continue for an even better quality season to come. Yeah, well, the fixture was announced recently um, and we've got Richmond and Carlton kicking off the competition um, in round one at Icon Park and the Tigers have over 100,000 members. Carlton have um, possibly around the 60,000 member mark. Um, I may be wrong there, but uh, I know Richmond fans will be super keen to see their AFLW side for the first time. Um, so that round one, I would not be surprised at all if that's a lock, another lockout as we saw way back at the start of the competition. Yeah, exactly. That's great foot, that great footage of Gil McLaughlin getting out there apologising yeah. for not having enough <laughs> season promising to, you know, expand the venues and absolutely was good on his word and that we've really seen the support there. So hopefully it's a sign of more things to come. Yeah, for sure. If I'm not sure if we'll quite get another grand final like that Adelaide one. Um, that was, you know... It'd be great that that's, that's the goal, mm. um, but I don't think that should be the benchmark. I feel like that may Fair. have been a one-off, if you know what I mean. We'll sort of work on building those crowds, you know, in rounds three and four or five where you sort of get about the 5,000 mark. If we can work on building those crowds, yep. um, then eventually it'll flow on to the grand final, I reckon. Hopefully. Now, you mentioned Richmond will have their first ever the AFLW team this season. They will be a force to be reckoned with. What other clubs will be introducing an AFLW team this season? Yes, we'll have Gold Coast um, and West Coast, so two opposite sides of the country. It also splits the talent in those states in Queensland and WA, um, which Queensland um, traditionally isn't a very strong football state in the men's sense, but conversely in women's it's actually the participation rates are quite high. Uh It's sort of seen as like a... A gentler version, for want of a better word, uh, than rugby. So, um, like I've spoken to a few girls who sort of said, oh, yeah, Dad didn't want me to play rugby, but he thought that footy was okay, you know, when they're pretty much as physical as each other. I but, thought so. Oh, well, <laughs> if, if that's what gets them into footy, that's what gets them into footy. Exactly. Um, yeah, and the, Sun, the Suns have an interesting team. Um, it's sort of a little bit hard to get a read on. Um, there's not a whole heap of established AFLW talent. They've sort of gone quite heavily through the state league system um, yep. and they're academy program uh conversely west coast went to uh rated Fremantle quite heavily which uh which they were allowed to do in the rules yeah um and there's they've also picked up quite a few players from around the place like emma swanson and maddie collier crossing from gws um yeah a few girls from different places i reckon the eagles are going to be quite strong um, I mentioned Dana Hooker earlier. Mm-hmm. I feel like she might be the lead, all-time leading vote-getter in the uh, league best and fairest. She polls very consistently, hasn't won it yet, but she's always in that top three mark. Um, and, yeah, mentioned Richmond and the fourth team is St Kilda. Um, the Saints are really passionate about getting their W team up and running. They've had a state league team for the last two years. Um, they've built their base around Moorabbin, their traditional home, um, and they're really excited to get all those rusted on Saints fans back to watching footy at Moorabbin, albeit with a twist uh, yep. with the girls. I don't think they'll have any problems doing that. No, not at all. They've also got a game in round one um, up against the Bulldogs, who are being coached by Nathan Burke, who is a former club legend of St Kilda. 
Um, so he'll be his first AFLW game <laughs> will be coaching against the the club he played with for like over three hundred games. Wow! So uh, that's a really nice storyline to keep an eye out for for sure. It is. Will certainly be a really exciting season for AFLW, and particularly for the many Irish women who are going to be involved. So Sarah, thank you so much for chatting about it with us today. No worries. Thanks for having me, Claire. You can follow Sarah's AFLW reporting through her Twitter handle at underscore SJ Black and on the official AFLW media podcast, Credit to the Girls. And that's all for November. Thanks for listening to the Celtic Club Melbourne podcast and don't forget to share, rate and review us. You can reach us at Celtic Club Melbourne podcast at gmail.com. Bye for now. Sloan.